That's good. If we uh, got the message of that, uh, we could just be dismissed and go eat right now. Uh, I'm telling you. Um, because, <laughs> Greg, I, I really appreciate, and, and all the worship team, I really appreciate um, your the effort and prayer and, and work that goes into... Um, taking this part and, and, and just stepping us into the presence of the Lord and directing our hearts and our minds and our thoughts, you know, I just, I was about to come unglued over there as I, strength will rise as we wait on the Lord. Because this week we're talking about the brokenness of, uh, of marriage, brokenness of life. And boy, that, that, whole, that whole thought and concept that there's hope in the midst of our brokenness. There is, there is redemption. There is forgiveness Because of what he has done for us. Because of what he is continually doing for us. Oh, that's just... And if it wasn't for him and his great love for us, wrapped around in his holiness, bringing us up from the depths, oh, and changing our lives, it's it's absolutely amazing. For those of you that are new or for here for the first time or something, my name is Joel Buffington. I'm the family pastor here at Grace Point Church, and uh, you've caught us in week four of a six-part series uh, called Home Improvement, and uh, thank you, Melissa, for the work that goes in there, and Toby for all of that. That was absolutely fantastic. really, really helps us, along with our Inspire team, helps us uh, grasp a hold of and visualize what we're, what we're talking about, building God's ideals in our broken families. And so we ask, why are we having this series? And it would say simply to give vision, help, and hope for families, marriages, and parents. And the first two weeks, we talked about uh, vision and hope for, uh, for families. Last week, we talked about God's ideal for marriage, and, and everybody, we all left here feeling... <laughs> weighed down and burdened, and how in the world can we reach God's ideal? And so um, this week, we're going to talk about the realities of where we live and, and how God reaches down and pulls us up and allows us to, out of our brokenness, be progressing towards his ideal of what he's got. And the next two weeks, we'll be talking about parenting. And so this this series is a little bit different, uh, and if you're interested and you have a question and something goes off in your brain in the middle of the message, uh, you can text uh, to this number, and uh, text. And if you're, you, you don't have a phone and you have a question, you can write it down and pass, pass the question to someone else, and they can text it in for you, and, uh, and Tim will answer those questions at the end. Uh, and so uh, we're talking, last week we talked about God's design and we used the illustration of, uh, of looking out at a big picture. And so I thought I'd have fun this week and I looked up where we used to live, our very first home that, uh, that Angela and I bought, and there it is, uh, right there in Tennessee in a little place called Soddy Daisy. And the cool thing about it, you know, you go to Google Maps, there's a little icon at the bottom, you can go to Street View and 
that's what it looks like today. It's pretty amazing. Uh, the little tiny tree is like big now, and they've put a fence up, and uh, the yard doesn't look as good as it used to, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things. And so that's, uh, that's what we're trying to do, give you a big picture and then come down and see, uh, see this is, hey, this is where, where we, we, we live. And so uh, uh, let's talk about, first of all, re- review very, very quickly about God's design. Last week we said that God designed marriage to show the world how much he loves them. And we uh, rolled that out and said that uh, marriage is a covenant relationship in which a husband and wife become one and ultimately reflect the love of God to the world. So where did this all begin? Well, it began in the garden as God brought man and woman together, and the two became one flesh, and God instituted this marriage in the perfection of the garden before sin entered. God, God established this institution of marriage, and it's, it's holy, and it's beautiful, and it's fantastic, and uh, it's, it, it's, 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 it's something that we can dream about. It's the closest to heaven that we, can, that we can experience while we're here on the earth. But the truth of the matter is, is that brokenness has entered into, um, into the world because of sin. And the fact is, is that anybody that's mar- been married any length of time will tell you, marriage is hard. It's tough. If they're honest with you, marriage is tough. This whole thing of, of trying to reach out to what God's ideal is and, you know, men love God like, or love, love your wife like, like Christ loved the church. Okay, that's easy. No, it's not. <laughs> it's hard, you know. And wives, you, you submit in everything. That's hard. And you respect, you know, you respect the, the husband that's flawed and that's broken. That's really, really tough. And so, I want you to go back with me, and I don't ask you to turn there, but we're going to go back and talk about the origins of uh, this plan that God had. And God's design, we showed you last week God's design. This week we're talking about God's renovation in the midst of the brokenness uh, that that we're, we're talking about. And so I'm going to try and convince you this morning that God's love rescues us from self love so that we will be able to love others. So if you're not married here, <laughs> this is for you as well. But if we look through the lens of, of trying to give hope and help in the midst of our brokenness for marriages, God's love rescues us from self-love so that we will be able to love others. And I have to mention this, that I, I got a lot, a, a lot of uh, my direction and thought came from this incredible book from uh, Paul Tripp called Broken Down House. And I uh, want to make sure I give credit, uh, credit there. So where did this brokenness begin? If we, you go back in your mind to Genesis chapter 3, if you've been in church at, at, at all, you've heard the story about how Satan himself came in the form of a certain uh, serpent and began to talk with Eve. And he began to, to, to cast doubt on what God had said and what God had promised. 
And towards the end of the conversation, we see this, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, also desirable for giving wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. Okay? So who's taking the lead in all this? Eve is taking the lead in this whole thing. And her husband, she also gave some uh, to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Incredible things happen. And as a result of that act of Adam eating the fruit, breaking God's law, sin instantly entered into the world, and God's perfect design, God's perfect environment was broken. It was shattered because of sin. As a result, they realized, hey, we ain't got no clothes on. We're naked. Uh, God had designed men and women to be together. (laughs) Some of you are laughing. I said naked. (laughs) (laughs) Down south, it was okay to be naked in a right concept, but if you're naked, you're probably doing something that was wrong. That was free. But as a result, the way that God had designed men and women to be, uh, man man and wife to be, God designed them, hey, there's no clothes necessary because there's no shame. There's there's perfect intimacy. There's nothing to hide. There's nothing to fear between each other or God. And that's how God designed them in relationship there. And their first reaction is to sow fig leaves and make coverings for themselves. And whenever they hear God coming, they run and hide. Why? Because they knew that they had sinned. They knew that they had broken God's law. As a result of that, as a result of that, God comes and God confronts Adam about this because Adam is supposed to be what? The leader. Adam was to lead and to love. And he comes and he, this is an amazing thing. He comes and he confronts Adam and Adam says, hey, the woman that you gave to me, you put here with me, she gave it to me and I ate it. God turns to the wife and the wife says this, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and so I ate it. And as a result, God brings down judgment, not only, uh, not only on them, but upon the whole, whole world. And I want us to think about this. When we think about the, the, their reaction about making coverings and hiding from God, that instantly brought into their relationship and into their consciousness and into their world this thing of insecurity and fear. The very first thing after sin becomes this insecurity and this fear. And that leads to, hey, the woman you gave me, that led to blame shifting and self-preservation. The first characteristic of, of trouble in a marriage happened in that way. And we'll discover that that is a model for the brokenness that you and I experience in our own marriages. Our fear buttons get mashed, we become insecure, and all of a sudden we're all about self-preservation, protecting ourselves. And we will blame our circumstances, we will blame our spouse, we'll blame any number of things. That's our default behavior marked in our brokenness. So, Adam did not lead, and Adam didn't love. 
And the scripture goes on to say, by one man, sin entered into the world, death by sin, and so death passed to all of men. Well, God had a plan in the middle of that. God's renovation plan began there in the garden, and he says this, beginning with verse 15. He gives a promise of a Messiah, a Redeemer. He curses, the, uh, he curses Satan and says, I'm going to put enmity between your offspring and her offspring, the offspring of the devil, the offspring of the woman, okay? And this is the very first indication that we have that there is hope in the midst of brokenness. Isn't that awesome that God, right after they messed up, God comes to them and offers hope in the midst of brokenness? pretty amazing. And then the Lord also, knowing that he is holy and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. God took animals, shed blood and gave, blood was shed and gave them coverings for them. What a picture eventually of the sacrifices that would come in the Old Testament and the ultimate sacrifice in the New Testament of God shedding blood to cover sin, to satisfy the holiness of God. So, we, back, we go back to this, and we think last week we talked about God's design for husbands and wives. Husbands were to be the leader and the lover. Uh, boy, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough thing for us to, a tough thing for us to do. Wives are to submit or to be the, the supporter and to be a respectful example. And that was the, the kind of the standard that we, we, uh, we lifted up. And last week... We had this question about the brokenness that we have in some of, some of our marriages. What if I have a husband that doesn't lead or doesn't love? What if I have a wife that doesn't support or doesn't, uh, doesn't, respect, doesn't respect me? Well, those are, those, are, those are really, really tough things. We'll talk about this. The, uh, the cool thing is, is that if we understand what happened in the garden... And our descent, our uh, coming from Adam, not only did our sin come from Adam, but our responses are very, very similar. Why? Because we're created in God's image and that whole thing trickled, trickled down. And the thing that you and I struggle with in our brokenness is that insecurity and fear lead to blame shifting and self-preservation uh, every single time. Now, those of you that have been married, for longer than 10 years, okay? How many of the, let me, let me see, how many of you here been married for longer than 10 years, okay? Okay, good, good, good. Oh, you, way to, way, way to go. <laughs> um, is this a true, is, is this, is this true? Underneath, underneath every argument that we have, underneath every uh, disagreement that we have, I would say the vast majority of the time it has to deal at the root level. Some insecurity or fear button is being mashed, and we get our natural inclination is to put up our defenses and to defend ourselves. And so we have that same fight over and over. Excuse me, we don't fight, we're Christians. We have that same disagreement over and over and over and over again. And it's as if we're, we're, we're doing this little dance around every single time. Fear button's mashed, 
we put up our defenses. The other one responds and mashes the fear button. We put up our defenses. And so we have this spinning thing that goes wrong that I call the fear dance. We could talk about that later if you come to love you. Um, and we have this reaction and this response that, that, that comes, into, and comes into our life every single time. And why do I say that? Because I've lived it over and over and over again. You know, we, we talk about, about God's design for marriage and how God calls us to love uh, our wife as Christ loved the church. That's God's instruction to me. And yet, I can't tell you how many times, just even yesterday, okay? A little confession time here. Even yesterday, I got up in the morning, got up on, uh, and, and, and drove, okay? My wife said that she wanted something particularly, and so I drove to the other side of Reading to go to Sam's to go visit and pick her up this thing. It was something that she wanted for tonight, okay? So I get there, and while I'm there, I'm thinking about, okay, I love my wife, and I'm supposed to sacrifice for her and do this stuff. And so I went intentionally and took my little cart, my buggy, took my cart and wheeled through the, you know, this, and, and I went looking intentionally for something little for her. Found a little shirt thing, you know. Are you happy? She, she, uh, she, she, she received, you know, this is how she receives love. This is, this is something I've discovered about her, okay? Doesn't have to be anything huge or anything. Went and got that and I'm hitting it out of the ballpark, you know. Come back, drive home. Okay, she's got this list that she wants me to do, and I'm studying, and I have to go make some visits, and I have to do this and this and this, but I'm going to accomplish the things that, that she's, she's, she has for me to do. Why? Because she's out working and, you know, dealing with people and talking a lot, and uh, you can't imagine that, you know. And, and, and she gets home last night. She gets home last night, and... Some of the things that I knew that she wanted to do, I still didn't get done. But I had told her that I was going to get done. But I didn't get it done. And when she says something about it, because I said something to her that I was going to do, my first, my first inclination was, wait, what is it? You don't understand. I've done all this stuff. I've done all this stuff for you. Are you kidding me? And my defenses were instantly up, and I was instantly aggravated with this woman that I, I love. And I had driven and done and, you know, all this stuff for her, but I was aggravated with her. And I didn't tell her that, but that's how I was feeling on the inside. But that's just the honest reality of the brokenness of where we are. I could go in and give a whole lot more confession, but I'm not going to. <laughs> We resonate with this. Our insecurity and our fear, our fear will always lead to, you don't understand, I didn't have enough time. There's never enough time. I didn't have enough money. There's never enough money. Never. There's always something to do. And we can blame our circumstances or our budget or we can, we can blame all this stuff. But the true thing 
the honest thing, if I am to honestly stand before you as your family pastor, and I would say the biggest problem that I have in my own family and in my own marriage is the common denominator is that it is me. And my sin, I have a propensity to love me. And so do you. We all do. We have that bent towards ourself. And so when we talk about God's design and God's brokenness, this is where we live. This is exactly where you and I struggle to make sense out of this. And when we experience things in life, when we experience the brokenness of sin, whether that sin is a result of something that we have done, we've just been stupid and we've got, we've, we, we're, we're giving into uh, our old patterns of, of living, or it's simply just because it's the world that we live in. Angie and I were talking just the other day. It was just, it is wearisome to live in this world today because there, it, there's, it just seems like we're overwhelmed with the brokenness of sin, wars and, and, and fights and anger and, and people that are, that are just lived their life in opposition to what God had designed and, and, and they're in and the public spotlight and it, it, it makes me angry and it just wears you down. And the brokenness of life can really cause us to question God's love, his power, or even his existence. We struggle with those things, much less, oh, the promise that, hey, God's working on you. But God, but, but let me, the thing that Chuck shared with families about Philippians chapter 1, 6, that God made a promise that the work that he began in us, he's going to complete. I wasn't here on that day, and I didn't hear it, but I heard it on the podcast I'm standing up and down going, yes, yes, yes. The work that God has started, he is going to complete. He's going to do that. As we go through these things, as we experience those things, and we think, was this really supposed to happen to me? Was this trial supposed to happen to me? Was this brokenness supposed to happen to me? Did God have the wrong address when he brought this into my life? I can say, God is sovereign in the middle of all that. And this is what we are not supposed to do. We are not supposed to, this is not a time to ask, when will the good come? When will the bad end? But rather, what will I become as I wait for God to do something? We get our focus turned in on something that's external rather than how is God using the circumstances and brokenness of life to shape me into what he wants me to be. And so that is a real, real comfort to know that God is continuing to work and shape us into who he wants us to be. Pretty, pretty amazing. 
And as we, we lifted up the last week, this passage from Ephesians chapter 5, I'd like you to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. As we lifted this, you know, God's design before you and we, we shared that with you, some of us left feeling like, oh my word, that is too big, that is too much, I, I, that's an impossible standard for me, for me to do this. And we sh- we, some of us felt burdened, I felt burdened, but we really shouldn't feel burdened. By this call to love, because we know that the God who is love is transforming us by his love. The God who is love is transforming us. That's the promise that, that Chuck was sharing with us. It's a pretty, amazing, a pretty amazing thought. And the biblical model that we have of God's renovation plan is this. From Ephesians chapter 5, I want us to look, I want us to look at this. Ephesians chapter 5. See, before, before God laid out his, uh, God laid out his, his perfect, you know, the, the, the definition of roles and how we function in this marriage, he gave us some tools to help us. And I just want to focus simply on one. He, he, he says in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, offering and sacrifice to God. I think it is in pretty, pretty incredible. I mentioned this uh, part of this last week, that the call to love in the great commandment doesn't have any stipulations on it. If you're married, if you're not married, if you're single... If you're divorced, if you're a widow, it doesn't matter. The call to love is to love others like we love ourselves. I think that's interesting. The call to love, it's echoed here. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Dearly loved married children, dearly loved single children, fathers, mothers, it doesn't matter. It's followers of Christ. And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Wow, we thought that the standard for husbands last week to love love his wife as Christ loved the church was high. This is just as high and it's for all of us. Just like we mentioned last week that the call to submit to to each other goes both towards husbands and wives. And then it comes back to the wife, submit to the, you know. So there's this command to submit to each other, being controlled by the Spirit, uh, and submitting to each other is for both husbands and wives. This command to love people like Christ loved them goes to husbands and wives. So, in answer to the question, what if my, what if my, my, my wife doesn't submit and, and, and respect me, and what if my husband doesn't love me like Christ loved the church? There's no stipulations on that. The call is to follow and to obey Christ. There's, there's no, hey, you can do this, love them, if you have a husband that's loving you like Christ loved the church. But if he doesn't, then you get out of the, you, you don't have to love, you don't have to submit, you don't have to respect. That's hard. That's tough, but that's true. For the husband, 
for a husband to, to you know, to be in a, in a, in a, uh, a relationship with a wife that won't, you know, the, the, the Bible has some funny things when he's addressing husbands and wives and, and, and that, particularly in Proverbs, you know, it says it's better for, for a man to live in a house with a drip that constantly is banging on, banging on his forehead rather than to live in, you know, in, 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 a, in a house with a contentious woman, Okay. What in the world is that or that is about that about? Hey, the reality is that marriage is hard. It's tough. And so this call to love is both to male to female, married, unmarried, single. So that's my best answer to you. Okay, how do I do that? What if she doesn't do this? It doesn't matter. We're still called to God's standard to love and to submit, to respect each other and to treat each other as God would want us to do. I got to hustle. So, I would say it this way. The biblical model is that God's love rescues us from self-love so that we will be able to love others. How does that look? We shouldn't feel burdened down with that because the God who is love lives inside of us and gives us the ability to love. He's transforming us. God in his infinite wisdom and holiness knew that we were sinners. Because we are sinners, our first inclination, our first thought is for ourselves. It makes us selfish and self-centered. It creates a longing to go after the things that we want rather than the things that they want or the things that would even be better for others. So God had to rescue us. And in his plan to rescue us, he had to set us free from the bondage that we had to ourselves so that we could live for him. That's the way he designed it. We could live for him and we could live for others. It's an amazing thought. And living that way, that kind of life, much less marriage, is the happiest and best way to live, to live for God and to live for others. And he has arranged this so that we don't have to be overwhelmed. We don't have to live, leave here going, oh, God's standard is so, so huge. Oh, strength, will rise. We'll, uh, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. It's him. He's the, he's the cornerstone, weak, made strong in his love, not our love. It's an amazing thought. In the middle of our brokenness, this can happen. Well... <laughs> How does it happen? Very, very quickly. God's renovation is this, is in the shape of the cross. True love, true love is willing. And love, true love, is sacrificial. How do we do this? How do we love like Christ loved us? How did Christ love us? He willingly laid down his life and he willingly sacrificed. It cost him something. It cost him something. So, husbands and wives, we have to be willing to step into this. And it's going to cost us something. Know that it's going to cost something. What does this look like? What is it going to cost? <laughs> it means being willing to have our life complicated by the needs and struggles of others. What does it look like? It means to be lovingly and, uh, and, and, and humbly honest in moments of misunderstanding, being more committed to reconciliation than to being right. It means moving beyond simply surrounding ourselves with people that make us comfortable. 
It means being honest. It means being, uh, admitting our mistakes and seeking reconciliation. It, believes, it means believing that God hasn't called us to a task of being a husband or a wife and hasn't given us the ability to do it. It's an amazing, an amazing thing. God's renovation. Sorry. I'm lost. God's love rescues us from self-love so that we will be able to love others. And so this, what does this look like for someone that's been divorced or someone that has struggling, you know, with a, in, in a marriage where a man won't lead? Or in a marriage, in a, in a marriage where the, the husband just absolutely isn't loving like he should love? What does this look like? The hope is, is that God is changing me. I think we started off by saying this is all about becoming the person God wants us to become. And as we become the person that God wants us to become, by going out of our way, by thinking of them and intentionally picking up your clothes, being honest. The scripture here in Ephesians chapter 4 lists out a whole bunch of things. By, 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 by taking off the old way that we used to live and putting on a new way, being honest with each other, being kind with our words, compassionate, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. That's what that looks like. In the middle of our brokenness, God, his love rescues us from self-love so that we can be able to love others. His design for marriage was to show the world how much he loves them. So, two questions for you. Two fast questions. Am I allowing God to shape me into the person who willingly and sacrificially loves others? Are we allowing that to happen in our lives? Or are we just bullying through? Because I've done that before. I'm just, I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just pushing through. But when we take an honest look in the mirror and see what God calls us to do and we respond to that, then I will willingly step into situations. I will sac- it'll cost me to love others. So here's a question. How will you this week, no matter what your situation is, no matter where you are, no matter what brokenness you are facing, how can you willingly and sacrificially love someone else, whether you're married or not, this week? So I'll invite Tim and Shirley come up and help us as we continue to answer questions and offer hope in the middle of our brokenness. Thanks, Joel. And, and, you know, Tim pointed out to me that since we have this fellowship meal afterwards and you all don't have to go home and make lunch, we're going to go, like, straight through to 1130. We got right? Love You tonight at 6 o'clock. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Because those of you in the back row can smell dinner <laughs> and are ready to go, right? But you can still feel free to text in questions. Tim, do you want to give us a response back on sure. 
Your thoughts? Um, good stuff. Good thoughts. A lot of tough stuff when you think about brokenness because there's so much with brokenness. There's divorce, right? There's absentee father. Uh, we're talking about marriages. So there's absentee like husbanding, okay? Which I think you know what that is when husbands, we kind of check out for a while. There's also absentee like wifing. Just made that word up, all right? Um, Absentee uh, husbanding can look like being work-centered, um, being very ambitious and driven to be successful in what you do and kind of who you become at work and get a lot of credit and respect for that. But absentee wifing is like being kid-centered, okay? Mm-hmm. Kind of forgetting to, that your husband actually needs you and, and wants you. And your, your focus goes to, to the little people around you. Whoa, it was big. Um, <laughs> So there's that, there's that whole piece to it. There's also the, like the affair. Okay, there's a physical affair. There's the emotional affairs that happen as well um, that are part of the brokenness of the world. There's divorce, of course, you'll mention that. There's, um, there's death as well, okay? There's being all of a sudden widowed. So let me just use this analogy, and then I'll turn it back to you, Shirley. Um, if you think there's kind of two different ways that brokenness happens, if you can imagine um, a home that has a curious boy in it, just... Imagine those homes exist, okay? And you happen to be gone for the afternoon and UPS delivers the vase that you ordered online. I've never ordered a vase, but it might be interesting to do that, okay? So you get home and you open up the package and you realize it's been opened already and you look at it and the vase is broken. And you wonder, like, who was here? Then you think, well, there's a curious boy who lives here. And so you have a couple options. One is, it's broken because... I broke it, okay? Or if you're that boy, like, it's his fault or my fault. So some things are broken because I actually break them. Other things are broken because we live in a broken world. So the vase might be broken because the boy did it, or it might be broken because the system of delivery that UPS uses is broken as well. Like, it said fragile, but some guy in a hurry just chucked it on the porch. You've seen those videos, right, of people who do that, delivery drivers who do that. That's a broken system. And, you know, you can't pile big stuff on top of it. So, in other words, some of you are dealing with brokenness in your marriage that is your doing. And others are dealing with brokenness that is not your doing. Okay? And we need to acknowledge both of that. There's sometimes that I'm responsible for the pain in my marriage and other times that it's just because I live in a broken world where this stuff happens and I need to deal with it. So, if you're sitting here this morning thinking, man, this is tough. More on me, more on me, more on me. Maybe more on you. Maybe just the reality that we live kind of in a broken world world. So I'll just kind of add that on and say good stuff, a lot of brokenness, a lot of ways to talk about it, but that to me, I just want you to know there's a couple ways to deal with brokenness. Either the base is broken because I did it or because it was delivered to me that way. But a lot of things to say, a lot of things to say. All right. More from you, Joel, before we dive in? I've said enough right now. All right. (laughs) Um, You had said something about, I liked your points about talking about how brokenness, brokenness is often rooted in insecurity and fear. And then we get defensive and we get, um, you know, and start shifting blame and so on. And, and I find that whether it's in my marriage or in other relationships, that fear can really drive a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, it can, it can drive some choices that I regret later. You know, like you said, you know, your, you know, your insecurity gave you some responses last night that you weren't really pleased with, mm-hmm. okay? How do we turn off that fear button? How do we deactivate mm-hmm. that thing? Well, first of all, we have to own. We have to own this. Okay, we have to own. First, well, let me back up for a second. We have to understand who we are and what our fear buttons are. Uh, 
that takes time in the word, that takes honesty as we, as we look at and become honest about who we are. And then we have to own our fear buttons and, and have, have responsibility. But probably the biggest thing is when we know that our fear button is being mashed, then our response is our response. I can't blame someone else for the way that I respond. I can't blame someone else for, you know, for, you mashed my fear button. Well, the world is going to mash your fear. We're, we're all broken. Our fear buttons are going to be mashed, but we can, and we can't control that. But what we can control is how we respond in the middle of that. And are we going to choose to go our own way? Are we going to put up, put up that, that, that defense? Or are we going to recognize that and step out of that fear dance and come honestly interact with what is what is what is happening whether it's a situation with my wife or my boss or or you know the neighbor you know with the fence and all that we're we're going to interact with those kind of those <laughs> those kind of things and uh, we have to have a, a, an honest interaction with with that and take ownership of hey this is what this is how I, I how I respond and we can't do oh that's well that's just how that's just how I am why there's growth and requirements that God places on us and gives us the ability to change we can change we can Ephesians chapter 4 take off the old way put on the new way starts with our mind Some of us might be listening to you say that and say, I mean, like, not me, but some of us might be listening to you say that and say, yeah, uh-huh, okay, that's wise, yep, wow, that scares me. What's in it for me if I do that? If I say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recognize these fears, I'm going to do all those steps. What's the benefits for me if I do that? Freedom. Yeah. Freedom and joy and honesty and be able to, if we're talking about marriage, it's stepping, it's stepping back to that transparency. Whenever, whenever there's nothing between me and my wife, there's that transparency. That's freedom. That's joy. That changes. You know, when, but when I'm hiding, when I'm defensive, that's miserable. It's getting back to what God intended for us, to how, how we're intended by God to live live for him, live for others. And so there's freedom and joy. That's the way to live. And so if I'm fearful of walking into this, that's the benefit. That's what I focus on this week when I'm saying, okay, I'm going to walk into this. It's because freedom's on the other side. And someone can walk with you. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the beauty about this. That's the beauty of it's not good for man to be alone, but not even that. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. As we come, that's, that's, that's just one reason to be a member of our church is that we can walk together. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't, we don't have to do that. But we can walk together life's road. That's, that's what we're well, about. Well, it comes back to what Tim was talking about in the last series, when you as well, when you said, you know, this is some of the benefits of confession. If I can come to somebody and say, look, this is something I'm struggling with, will you walk with? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that I'm a big fan of this whole, okay, what am I going to take away and actually apply to my life this week? So, so... I'm sure there are many of us that, that resonated when you talked about, you know, I, I, can't, I can't wait for things to be perfect. It's about what am I going to become while I wait. And towards the end of the message, you gave, you kinda, you gave us a whole bunch of things, like, you know, going to walk into relationships and be honest and so on. If I was going to say this week, okay, I'd like to take one step, would you say that there would be... I don't know. I, I guess what I'd love to have, I, I love to have the nuts and bolts of, okay, how do I, 
how do I do that this week so when I come back next week, I can say, yes, I'm just a little bit closer to that goal. They love when I ask these questions. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm, I, I am going to, this week, <clears throat> I am going to seek to understand my wife and meet one of her needs, and I'm going to specifically going to try and love her in the way that she receives love best. She receives love best but her love language, okay, that's a whole separate thing. Her love language is gifts. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be a pencil. It could be a, a thing of fries or a whoopie pie. That's it. Like, that's the gold standard. <laughs> I will intentionally seek to understand who she is. That means I'm going to look at her whenever she's talking to me. I'm going to take the earphone out. I'm going to shut the computer. I'm going to look at her and engage with her and hear what she says, seek to understand what she, she is, and enter into her pain, enter into her, her fears, enter into her insecurities, enter into whatever, she, whatever issue she may have, and then I'm going to seek to, to supplement that by, hey, oh, I am walking with you, and here's a whoopee pie. <laughs> and that, that, those, are, those, are simple, those are simple things, you know, you know, I'm going to make up the bed for her. I'm going to, will, remember two things. How, what does it look like with the cross? Willingly and sacrificial. It's going to cost me something. I'm in a hurry, okay, but I'm still going to make the bed for her. I'm in a hurry, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw a load of wash in the, the, the laundry because I know she's busy or something like that. I'm going to give the dog a bath because he stinks, and it doesn't bother me, but she can smell everything from three miles away. Mm-hmm. That's good. I would... Um, I, would, I would just offer a, a question more than a, an answer uh, to that, uh, you know, and it's really the question that you just practically verbalized right there. I, I would offer, um, in no matter what situation you're in, because they're so varied, uh, some of you are married right now and, and, and many of you are not, um, some of you are single and you're hoping to get married and others are single and planning probably not to get married, um, others have been divorced and, you know, widowed, and, I mean, okay, so, you know, wide, wide range. Um, I, I would ask the question, in the state I'm in now, the simple question that you put out there, Shirley, what, what step of faith can I take right now? And, and trust the answer to that. And, and that's okay. And so it could be a whoopie pie, or it could be if you're dating somebody, all of a sudden, man, you know what, I, I've not really been th- thinking as godly about them as I should be. Or, you know, if you're divorced, you know, it might be, a matter of, okay, how do I honor and respect my ex in front of my kids? Or, you know, it might be as you're dealing with a marital conflict right now, okay, what step of faith can I take this week? If I'm supposed to love as a man and, and honor and respect as a woman, how do I do that right now? So it really comes back, all of that circles back to the, the question you're asking, I think, is the question we have to ask and look in the mirror and say, where I'm at now in my context, okay, I can't solve it all. This world is broken. It's always going to be broken. But, but I can do something. Just because it's so complex and so difficult doesn't mean I just throw my hands up and say, yeah, whatever, my marriage is messed up. My, my life is messed up. I'm never going to marry. I'm, I'm stuck with this person. Oh, okay, hold on. What step can I take right now? What step of faith can I do? You can always do something. You can always do something. So I would ask the question. I'd encourage you to ask the question. I see you have lots of fantastic resources. Do you want to address that now, or is that just in case there was a really tough question that you'd say, just a minute, I'll be back to you in a moment. If you're okay with this, here's what we have. Um, 
these are all parting gifts for you. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, all of a sudden, people like paid attention. That was kind of neat. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. We're not actually giving this away. Um, up here, if you want to come up afterwards and check out some resources, we have a lot of stuff up here. Um, some of it from Joel's library. Some of it's in the, the library itself. But if you want to know more, like how do I move forward from here in the different phases that I find myself in, there's a lot up here for that, um, a lot of different authors. But this requires reading. Just this uh, warning, like flash, yellow flashing warning light. Read, reading, you'll have to read. So, women, you can come up here. Men, you just, we won't see you. You're going to go eat. Um, but, uh, but ladies, no, I'm just kidding. And there's also yeah, little, little pamphlets um, of information here, which requires less reading. So, okay, well, less, less reading up here about peacemaking and general conflict resolution principles. So there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff up here. Good. All right. Hey, next week we're going to be hitting um, parenting. All right. So we've covered family, marriages, and now we're going to you know, tackle parenting. Um, so we're going to get after that one next week, lay out the ideal, and then follow that up with kind of the broken piece of that. So that'll be, that'll be fun, right? You betcha. All right. We'll look forward to that. Hey, will you guys pray with me as we wrap it up here this morning? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here again today and looking at from a variety of angles. Um, marriage and the brokenness that we find ourselves in. We thank you that there is grace abundant to, to um, support us and help us no matter where we are and no matter what situation we find ourselves in. I pray for those who feel guilty and shame because of sin in their lives in the past, which is probably all of us if we're honest, that you would give a great sense of peace and comfort and a reminder of the power of the cross to reach us while we are still sinners. For those who are trying to work hard to prove that they're worthy of forgiveness and prove that they're worthy of your love, I pray that you would, by your spirit, you would help remind them that they, they can't do enough. They'll never be able to do enough to deserve and earn your favor and your love and your grace. So, uh, kind of push us into submission to accept your grace and your favor because of your work for us, not because of the work we do for you. And so, Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to together talk about the realities of the difficulty of sin in our lives, even in our marriages. We thank you for what you will do through it as we work together to try to grow to be more like you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.